Hey there, welcome to the show. Wow, I can't believe it. It's the end of the first month of 2023 already. And for those of you that have just started listening to the show, that means I have a special event because we do this once a month. I have my real estate talk triangle and my panel guests that have been with me for years now. And it's kind of funny I can say that. Uh, I have Tim Sirianos. He is joining me. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. Tim's also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And as well, who's been with me for years, I've got Dave Butler. Dave is the broker owner of BM Select. And, uh, you know, it's one of these things that uh, I've been really, really thrilled to be able to do for the last several years. And each month we, you know, kind of bat around what's going on in the world of real estate. And of course, this is a new year and we're going to start out, you know, swinging, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we'll clarify a few things for everybody. What's going on in the marketplace, what you can anticipate and what uh, 2023 is going to look like. And hey, just, you know, a quick reminder coming up this Thursday. That's right. This Thursday, February the 2nd, I have my simple real estate investment seminar webinar. We are highlighting the first responders as a special thank you. We've got a, a really, really cool deal for them. But if you want, you can join us here in studio. And I'm really excited about that. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register and make sure you, you either tune in or join us here. It's going to be a great night. We've got a lot to talk about. What does the world of investment real estate look like? And so much more. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com to, uh, to register. But um, as I mentioned, my, my two panelists joining me right now in studio with me, Tim Sirianos is joining, joining me and uh, via the internet, we've got Dave Butler. Guys, uh, welcome to the show. Great to be here and happy new year. Thank you. Awesome. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dave, we miss your smiling face across from the triangular table here we have in the studio, but uh, we know you couldn't make it, but really appreciate you, t you know, chiming in today. So, Dave, I'm going to start off with you, of course. Big week, lots of news happening. Bank of Canada, what the heck, one more kick to the chops, quarter point increase to the rate, but maybe, maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, it was really, really interesting to read the language in the press release. Um, first time since the Bank of Canada started raising rates that we actually saw them put in writing that this could be the end of the interest rate hiking cycle, uh, effectively saying that as long as everything goes the way it seems to be going, this likely is the last of the raises. So what started in March of 2022 as a 0.25 increase, and then we saw 0.5s and 0.75s and 1% in between, we may be ending the rate hiking cycle with a 0.25 increase, much like how it started in March of 20. You know, Dave, you and I had that conversation that we figured that, you know, the last kick at the can when we were talking in December about this, probably a quarter point, then maybe flatline. So it seems like, uh, you know, the powers to be might be realizing that they finally hit their benchmark that they need to. You know, inflationary numbers, you know, they are starting to move in the direction that they've been trying to achieve. Do you think uh, there's any hope, and, and I'm throwing this out there as one of your predictions for 2023, and I'll put you on the spot just because it's fun to do. Uh, do you think we're actually going to see the Bank of Canada do a little bit of a retraction in the interest rates? Well, my first thought is the Bank of Canada is going to try to not look silly. I think they'll look silly if they start quickly pivoting and reducing the rates. 
So my first thought is that they're going to hang tight. It's very, very conceivable that in 2023, the Bank of Canada does not decrease the prime rate. Um, there is certainly a chance that by the end of the year, they may be forced to do so. But I actually think the Bank of Canada wants to hang tight until at least the beginning of 2024. But with that said, that's the Bank of Canada who I believe is not going to make many moves down. Whereas what we've talked about previously is that I believe the bond market, which is tied to the fixed rates, will likely start to see some decreases. And we're already seeing it. The bond yield, the five-year bond yield uh, here in Canada is already at levels that it was at in July and August of 2022. And it looks like it's in a current downtrend, which is certainly good for Canadians that are looking for some uh, relief in terms of some lower interest rate. Yeah. So, you know, Tim, you know, I'm going to get you to weigh in on this. Obviously, you know, not the news that everybody wanted to hear, but as Dave had alluded, the idea that maybe we've hit our ceiling in interest rates, you know, from a from a real estate pers- you know perspective as a broker owner, what do you think? Well, the year started off quite interesting. It's like people were complaining that taps turned completely off. And when they asked me if that's the case, I've always said the taps might be off, but we have a really leaky, you know, washer because there's water still coming through, the market is still moving. And what we've seen is is a kind of like a roller coaster ride in the first month of January. You've had, you know, certain days where, you know, you have a lot of activity and other days you have nothing because everybody's anticipating what would have happened with the interest rates in January. Um, but if I was to report, you know, today, and if you know, I've been with you for years here, and you know I'm not rose-colored glasses, you know, pro just real estate, I call it as I see it, right? The fact is that just last week in our office, there were homes that received 20 offers and 38 offers. Now, they were priced aggressively. They didn't sell for crazy money. But what that symbolizes to me and what people should be listening to is that if there were 39 offers, there's 38 new still buyers out there. If there's 20 offers, there's 19 buyers out there. So what Dave is talking about, you know, the language in the Bank of Canada not increasing interest rates what that tells me as a broker owner who manages thousands of transactions a year and who's seen downturns and upturns and everything else is that people will start to climatize the new foundational spot of where we're going to be and they're going to start entering the market to start shopping again and if we continue where sellers are not participating we're going to have that pent-up demand continue right through the winter will we see a crazy january february march have we seen a crazy january no will we see crazy february you know, March and April, I don't believe so, but I do believe that as the months of the year continue to move forward, we'll start to see more and more activity. So the window is the window we have. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, Tim makes a really good point, Dave. And, you know, it's interesting how you put it, Tim, you know, there was, there was two winners out of your scenario. I hate to say it about 57 losers. Um, and, and, and that's always the case when we talk about a multiple offer situation, you know, there are the people that there are people that just throw caution to the wind, throw offers in, but then there's true buyers that they're, they're looking for something. And, you know, you, you mentioned one important thing and, and, and I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. You know, most people know that the market of January is never a stellar market. I mean, you know, we kids didn't go back to school till the ninth for example, you know, Correct. um, so, so the market itself really didn't start kickstarting until, you know, call it a week after that. Cause everybody kind of, you know, gets back to the office, they start returning emails, they start talking to their people and all of a sudden, so the fact that you've got a few of these multiple offers kicking around, I, th- I think that's a positive. And again, 
Most people know all, just like you, I call a spade a spade. If it's going to be a garbage market, I'm going to tell you. If you're overpaying, I'm going to tell you. Um, Dave, you know, when we take a look at activity, you know, one of the things that we know in your business is there's always that little bit of a delay. So Tim gets busier first and then you get busier later. So right now coming out of, let's say November and December, there was still some traction being had. You know, like you were still doing financing, were you not? All right. So I, I can tell you, I can echo what a lot of Tim is saying in that we've seen some rare, very, very, you know, some, some pent up demand. The first two weeks of this year are rivaling new application numbers from the same two weeks from last year. This is very, very interesting because if you look at November and December, we were down heavy on applications compared to the previous year. But for the first two weeks of this year to be rivaling January's first two weeks of 2022, it's very, very interesting. And it's something that we should keep in mind. And again, it it, it really does make things interesting when you think about Tim being busy where he has where he is and seeing that we are getting busy, which means there really should be, as Tim expects, a very strong spring and summer market. But the biggest key here that I want to stress out, stress really, really well here is that not all properties are selling the same way. Because financing is so tight, we're finding that the homes that are completely move-in condition, they're the ones that are getting the most activity, not the ones that need any work whatsoever because qualifying for a mortgage, and Dave could probably comment on this, qualifying for a mortgage and then qualifying for a renovation loan is is probably going to be a lot more challenging for most people. So what we're seeing is the homes that are just completely move in, they're the ones getting the most activity right now too. Yeah. And you know, that's a good point because, and, and, and I've always said to everybody, you know, buy the thing that needs the most work, right? Because you're going to get the best deal. You then make it your own, but you're right. I think a lot of the pent up demand, the would be buyers out there today, they, they don't want to go through the hassles. As you mentioned financially, and Dave, you'd know this, you know, not everybody's able to throw an extra credit line on to do all the work that they require or get the extra loan to be able to make it happen. So, you know, that finished product, you know, no must, no fuss, we move in and, and, and we move, move on. So Dave, you know, just uh, as a last note here on the interest rates. So, you know, you, you did mention, uh, it's something you and I talk about every spring about the fact that we could see some potential discounts into the marketplace. If you're going to earmark what you would consider a fixed rate mortgage uh, target this year, we should be in the fours as far as my calculations go. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, Lorenzo and I from the staff have been doing a lot of analysis on this in terms of what is the magic number. And a couple months ago, we really nailed in what we think is 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 that number, which is 399. I think that 3.99 really gets things moving. And it's funny, if you look back, um, we did an analysis of rates in 2018 and 2019. A lot of people would be surprised to know that at the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, interest rates for fixed were anywhere from 369 as high as 4.09. And we still had a very strong market in 18 and 19. Um, but long story short, I think 399 gets things moving. I also think that gets a lot of people that are in variable rates to maybe convert from maybe a 6.2 rate that they're currently on to maybe lock into a 399 and save their family some money. I also think there's a lot of people that are waiting to refinance that are not looking at refinancing it in the sixes, but would be happy to refinance at 399. So I really think that is the magic number that kickstarts, not just the spring and summer purchase market, but I think it, it kickstarts a lot of mortgage movement and we might see some high volatility there. 
Excellent. So Dave, I'm going to ask you to hang on, Tim. We're going to go to a quick break, folks. When we come back, we'll have more with my panels uh, right here. And um, just remember, you can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're tuning in, this show that we are running every single month, so we do this once a month, we call this the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And my panel guests that are joining me and have for years, I've got Tim Sirianos here in studio with me. Tim's the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. He's also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, former director of the Canadian Real Estate Association. And in the wings through the internet, I've got Dave Butler. Uh, he is joining us remote. Normally he's here in the studio. He, he likes to mix it up with us. And uh, Dave is the broker owner of BM Select. Uh, Tim, just before the break, Dave had mentioned that he ha also has seen some decent activity of people looking at financing. You you had alluded to the fact that you know there you know the really really nice stuff is 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 selling. The stuff that maybe needs a little bit of TLC isn't. Um, you know, here's here's a couple of thoughts though. You know, when we take a look at things such as new construction, like, Tim, I'm going to throw this at you because you were you know you were giving some updates on what's going on. Obviously. You know, a lot of the new builders right now, they're putting a huge pause because of the interest rates, making it uh, pretty expensive for them to build. And Build came out with a report saying that, you know, we're at the lowest number of releases in 10 years when it comes down to new construction. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, what, what, what what's going on with some of this stuff and as well as development charges? Well, one of the conversations I've had when, it, when I coming into studio to talk to you was, uh, you know, our properties more affordable today you know if prices have come down and the answer is no they're not more affordable the interest rates have adjusted the price but the monthly payment's the same for a builder it's not the same way right they've bought land at a certain price development charges in 2009 in toronto were i think something like twelve thousand dollars and today they're one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars, which is over a one thousand percent increase who's going to pay for that only the consumer is going to pay for that there's no way the builder can absorb that kind of cost and then you have the average cost per square foot of a condo today with the inflationary pressures of supply and employment and lack of thereof of tradespeople. And they're deciding that they're not going to go to market right now because the average cost per square foot is somewhere around $1,400 per square foot or $1,500 per square foot. So instead of being in that marketplace and not being able to build, they're just shelving the units. And that's just going to add to the supply problem we're having, you know, moving forward. So. In the first half of 2023, we are actually seeing a lot less launches of new construction happening. Um, you know, Build is actually commenting on the fact that there's less new construction generally in the entire market. And again, that's that's to say with um, something like $2.2 billion in City of Toronto coffers right, right now, that is just, you know, building development charges sitting there, right, that we can possibly use to to maybe um, incentivize, you know, incentivize whatever people to start to build more. Yeah. You know, Tim makes a good point, Dave, and I'm going to touch on this with you, is that, you know, when we talk about new development, one of the things, of course, is there's that span of time that when a builder releases a new development, then we're still a few years out before completion. And when you think about it, you know, three years from now, let's say development goes today, three years from now, we could potentially be looking at another point. 5 million Canadians here in the country, call it 750,000 in the GTA, and we're not going to keep up with the demand. And I know you do a lot of focus, you know, you do it with a simple investor, you do it with a lot of the other major, you know, um, investment firms when you're talking about, 
you know, people working with investment real estate, this is going to hurt. Like I, I, you know, I take a look at the big picture. We need inventory, and the 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 when we reduce the amount of properties being built, this is going to even hurt people renting further. Yeah, Todd. I mean, you know, we we talk about these twenty offers on properties, thirty seven offers on properties. I think you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's that's a function of supply demand, right? I mean, we don't have enough supply. We've we've literally beat this horse, you know, as much as we can throughout, you know, how many how many different shows. I mean, the reality is is each show we do, it's worse and worse from the standpoint of development. Um and as you know, Tim talked about, you know, the charges are just in a whole different level. Um, but uh, you know, I, I would say to you that Supply demand is not looking to rebalance itself anytime soon. As you mentioned, 1.5 new Canadians will be entering, you know, the market. Um, this does not bode well for us getting back to, I think, a healthy balance of, you know, uh, buyers and sellers. I think uh, this might actually continue to create a wedge in between. And that's not necessarily something that you and I and Tim are looking for to make a healthy market. So, Tim, Dave makes some really good points, but, you know, you and I were talking earlier about, you know, some points that people are missing, obviously, is the fact that, you know, despite the fact, yes, we're reducing the number of condos coming into the market, we've got this huge population that's going to be requiring condos, especially from a rental perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, that missing middle that's happening is is kind of important. The fact that People have been wanting people to move out of their houses, right? You know, some people are saying, look, you know, a couple lives in a 3,000 square foot house. They don't need it. They should downsize. But what they're downsizing is to something that is so catastrophically different than their lifestyle. You know, maybe you can fill our listeners in on that. Yeah, it's interesting you're actually bringing that point up because that's a conversation I have, you know, thankfully from your show and from other, you know, media interviews. I get phone calls from people many times saying, I want to move. You know, I'm, I'm an empty nester. Uh, my kids, you know, they're done their school, they've gotten married or they moved, you know, away. Um, and I want to change. I, you know, I want to move out of my property, but where am I going to go? And many people are saying, okay, I'm not going to find a house, which is half the size of, of what I'm looking for because I don't want the maintenance. So I'll go to a condo. But the problem is that every single design that's been approved by municipalities has been a 500 square foot box. So it's great for a student who's coming to Toronto to actually study for two, three, four years, but it's horrible for the aging population that we have right now. So I believe that part of the solution here that we've talked about over and over again that needs to be heard is I know that develop, you know, uh, builders may hate to hear this, right? Because they want to build more units in the sky, but there has to be a partnership. And the partnership is that we need to build more executive type rentals or executive type Condos. Condos in the 80s and early 90s were all 1,200 square feet. I mean, if you go out in the marketplace, and I challenge anybody who's listening to go out with their realtor and look at the buildings that are built in the late 80s, 90s, they're 1,200, 1,000, 1,300, two bedrooms with a den. It's very, very commonplace. And it's easy for people to leave their home and move. That will bring more supply. And if you don't want to build those condos because they're too expensive, then I know that in in, uh, mid-Toronto, where a couple of our offices are located, Uh, even though the NIMBYism existed and they wanted to stop this development from happening, uh, it pushed through. You had low-rise executive rentals. They were leased out overnight. And they're large enough where people who lived in the homes that they're used to have now moved into. And they're paying rent, right? And their homes went to market, right? And they added to the supply that we need. 
Yeah, Dave, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it, you know, what Tim is suggesting. And and it's one of those things we we have observed. Now, there's the odd builder that's coming up with a couple of units that are a little bit bigger. But, you know, when we take a look at the older stuff, I mean, by all means, you know, I've seen 2,000 square foot condominiums and they're fa fabulous, huge balconies. And today, you know, it seems like all new construction is really focused on, you know, uh, uh, jamming in as much as you can into a small space. Well, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, jamming, you know, jamming in as many units as possible seems to have been the big fad over the last little while. But, you know, to Tim's point, you know, where are the 60 year olds going that don't want to be in their big, you know, two story house and they want to go into a one story place that's going to better, you know, serve them at their time and at their age of their lives. Um, you know, we don't see builders building those anymore, or at least not a lot. So um, I completely echo the thoughts. And I think it just continues to go back to our supply demand issue and certainly, you know, uh, you know, taking some of the handcuffs off some of the development. I think it's tough to blame the developers when the handcuffs that are on them seem to be ones that only allow them uh, the ability to profit under making such small units. Yeah. And, and as Tim had mentioned about the development charges, you know, when we're looking at 137,000 on a unit, when you're, you know, you're spending seven or 800,000 on a unit. When you think about that, Dave, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, 15% of the price is going to the government and, you know, God bless them for taking it. But anyways, um, you know, we're going to go to a quick break folks, and I'm going to have more with my real estate talk triangle, a panel. Uh, I've got Dave Butler from BM select joining me, Tim Siriano's broker owner at Remax ultimate. And, uh, Hey, here's a shout out for everybody in Toronto and Ottawa. Um, have you turned around and filed your declaration for 2022? You know what? If your home's vacant and you haven't, they're going to nail you with the tax. So I'm going to talk about that and more when we come back. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So this is the Real Estate Talk Triangle every single month here on News Talk 1010 Simply Real Estate. And my panel uh, group here, uh, Tim Siriano, Steve Butler, have been with me doing this for years. And if you if you are taking a look at anything in Toronto as far as real estate, Tim owns uh, Remax Ultimate, a fabulous group of realtors, 250 plus agents. And I'll tell you, they are on the ball. And when it comes down to mortgages, uh, if you've caught Dave here on the show, Dave is a broker owner of BM Select. And I got to tell you, um, I am really, really pleased to have an association with them. They definitely take great care of their clients. So again, great to have my panelists here, but I can tell you outside of the show, not only are they superstars here on the show, but their businesses themselves are excellent. So Dave, just before the break, I threw out that Toronto and Ottawa vacant home tax that uh, they decide to throw in. And if you don't put in your, if you don't file uh, after six months, they're gonna, they're gonna nail you for 1% of your value of the assessed value on the property every single year. And I'm like, wow, so you're not even allowed to keep your home vacant? <laughs> Taking a page out of the British Columbia, uh, you know, movement from years ago, uh, that seemed to be a big thing going after the foreign buyers that were leaving homes vacant. Um, interesting that certainly it's being used here in Ontario, but you know, from a political standpoint, I think, you know, BC probably saw some funds come in and it, you know, it looks like here in Toronto and Ontario, uh, they're searching for every tax dollar that they can get. So it doesn't surprise me 
that we are instituting that year. But um, certainly, uh, I think what's interesting is the way that they put the rules together. It kind of leaves doubt, if you will. It kind of leaves, you know, some question marks as to how they'll enforce this, right? Well, you know, and that's a good point because now are they going to like arm a bunch of people to go check on this and, and take a look at the filing? And so, Tim, you know, every single time I think the government implements something new, they don't do the rest of, of the backup, right? They forget they forget that they, they need staff and they need process. I've been opposed to this tax, you know, when I was involved with organized real estate, I was very vocal about this is not serving anything. It's a small number. Uh, obviously, we have different markets in BC than we do in Toronto. It's a different type of buyer, different type of owner that we have here. Um, do vacant homes exist here? They do. I mean, but the number is such a small number. And we did a complete blitz within our entire database. We kind of rallied everybody together in our company and we said, okay, let's find out how many people there were. I can count maybe on just one or two hands, you know, in our entire, you know, network of people that actually had a concern about being vacant and they weren't even vacant. They're like, I'm not in the country. Oh my God, I don't want to pay a tax. I'm yeah. actually working somewhere else right now. I will be back. I just don't know if I'll make it back. They're forcing me to buy a flight ticket to come back and leave again. So they haven't, the state of Toronto has not in, employed people to enforce this. Um, it's com a complete honor system. If you really think about it, um, you know, filing it, I did it for my own home. It took me literally, 15 or 20 seconds to complete the form online. Um, but again, I don't think it's, it's, um, it, it's going to put a dent or, you know, aside from some trickling of money coming into the Toronto coffers. So Dave, I'm going to give you a quick rant on my take on this thing. And, and I want to see if you agree because you do work with a lot of investors. So a lot of people have been complaining that a lot of the foreign buyers have bought condos and left them vacant. Okay. So they live in a building and they're saying, well, 50% of our building is vacant. We don't like it. So here's my rant about this entire thing. How can you not like it? Because here's the thing. If you have 50% of the units being vacant in a condo, that means you're not putting the stress or on the amenities of the condo. You're not using all the water in the condo. You're not utilizing all the parking. You don't have the wear and tear. You know, the bowling alley isn't being used. The, the pool's not being used. Your condominium fees are not going to go up as aggressively if you've only got 50% of the people living there. So I'm all for having some vacancy if I'm going to be living in a condo because the idea here is it's okay, they're still paying their condominium fees and not putting the stress on the actual condo. That's a great point. I didn't actually think of that. You know, here I am thinking vacancies are bad because people that move into these properties, you know, it, and of course, you know, your, the thought that you bring up is actually quite invoking. I mean, if I'm in a condo that is, you know, currently 50% vacant, you know, that is an amazing point that I don't think people are thinking about. Half of the usage, meaning things aren't getting, you know, worn and torn, as they would say. Um, you know, it's 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 actually a very interesting point. It makes me think. Um, you know, but you know, certainly, you know, how will that end up affecting supply demand in the end? You know, and I think, you know, certainly for us as Canadians, you know, people need to live in homes. Um, but certainly, if I owned that condo, I, I can sit here and say to you, yeah, Todd, I agree. I I would be very favorable in the fact that keeping my particular condo vacant. But of course, how does that affect the overall Canadian market? It's certainly going to be some questions that I think people will bring up. So it's not 50%. 
Oh, I know it's not. Right, 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 right off the top. Right. Yeah. No, no, I know, you're, I know you're throwing the number, and I don't mean to, to take yeah. you on in the number, but it's not 50%. I want everybody to understand it's nowhere near 40%. It's nowhere near 30%. It's yep. nowhere near 20 nowhere near 10 it's probably around four or five percent of you know properties at any one time being vacant for a period of time right. not forever there's reasons why homes are vacant sometimes it's a very very small percentage it's like banning foreign investment right. for two years it's going to do absolutely nothing right but piss off everybody you know who wants to own and if you look at the loopholes and everything that exists with even that and i don't want to jump ahead in case you have that on the agenda <laughs> i'm looking at you here in studio and i'm saying uh oh i'm kind of jumping on something different the reality is that this vacancy tax is not going to solve any anything at all and there's not the kind of vacancy problem no and 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 i agree but let's be honest there are some foreign buyers and percentage-wise you're you're more accurate than not um that there are some properties that do remain empty they could remain empty for a year while the kids are getting ready to come to university it could be a reason like there's all sorts of narrative to it what what i was more implying was the fact that it's okay to have a couple units vacant because it just means less stress but be to your point tim <laughs> as you saw me quickly going to my my list of papers here Rebax reports that 54% of Canadians believe that the two-year ban on foreign investors purchasing property will increase the availability of affordable housing for Canadian home buyers. Love it. Are you kidding me? So like, I'm Remax. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah. um, forget about the forget about the brand for a second. 54% yeah. of Canadians believe this. I think what we have to do is we have to shake the tree and see if the light comes on because that in in itself is crazy. So here's the sad thing. Since 2000 till today, the attention span of a human has dropped by 4.25 <laughs> seconds. Okay. The attention span of a human is eight seconds right now. I want you to understand it's actually dropped. These are headlines. Yeah. Yeah. These are nothing that, you know, uh, what was it? The movie Notting Hill that, you know, today's news is yesterday's trash or something like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, it just, this, this is a study, obviously, you know, people are pulled every single day, whether it's in real estate reasons or political reasons, like people are pulled every single day. Right. And that just, uh, people, you know, may believe that this will help. The reality is it's been since 2015, 16, when I was at Treb as a president, I was talking about it, please don't create this new fair housing plan with foreign, you know, uh, investment banning or taxing. And we did a study in organized real estate and it was, you know, 5%. The city did a study came out at 4.7 or something. No, ours was 4.7. There was at five vice versa. Who cares? It's 0.3 of a percent. I mean, this is something that people believe, but they'll see within two years that it had no impact. Yeah. And, and, and that's my concern though, is that when you see stuff, and this is why I always, you know, you and I talk about this all the time, headlines are, are meant to either sell papers, articles, get somebody's name in the business or whatever. But the headlines like that are, are quite annoying because I don't see how anybody can sit there. Affordability, fine. So let's talk about, so foreign buyers, the fictitious number of foreign buyers aren't jumping in into the marketplace. How about we take a look at the fact that as we've been talking right through the show, the interest rates went up, even if we have a slight price adjustment, it's not any more affordable. And this is, this is the point that people have to remember. There are so many factors in affordability. People have to stop talking about that as if it's such a movable target that it can happen instantaneously by turning around and banning foreign buyers. Like affordability 
doesn't go with a switch. It doesn't happen automatically and overnight, but we're going to talk about that when we come back. So folks, stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So just before the break, you know, I kind of had to let loose a little about this whole idea of foreign buyers, you know, making things affordable when we get rid of them. And again, Dave, I'll let you weigh in on this because this is this is one of those things that, you know, just because you turn off a few foreign buyers doesn't make the entire market shift where we're going to see this mass reduction in the market and everybody can now jump in and buy at 50%. Well, it kind of feels like the politicians here in Ontario were really paying attention to the mainstream media headlines from many, many years ago when all we used to see was talk about Vancouver and foreign buyers and foreign buyers buying homes and leaving them vacant. Um, it sounds like some people in Ontario decided that that's what's happening here. But I think, you know, I agree with you and Tim. I mean, the reality is, is we don't see that at any level, even close to what was going on out in the West Coast. And that was also happening many, many years ago. I think a lot of foreign buyers have found different places to invest their money. And certainly, I think as a foreign buyer, I don't necessarily know how smart it is to go and enter into Ontario pricing, given the run-up that we had over the last couple of years. I don't know if I'd call that a foreign investor, or that might be a foreign person with not so uh good smarts on them <laughs> foreign speculator yeah and, and if and if you really think about it dave and todd you're looking at rents have increased by 25 percent year over year why would an investor who's coming to market want to leave their property vacant when they purchase something that's not under rent control for example yeah. if it was built after 2019 it's not under rent control you can charge the market rents yep why would they leave it vacant what business like that's not what an investor would do right so this is another you know point i want to make in the argument about this to educate the listeners that this is not going to have any impact whatsoever yeah no and i think that's a good point so dave i'm going to throw the next one to you because um i thought this was kind of amusing toronto ranked most disappointing canadian city from some of the foreign media um you know i uh, i don't know if you've been downtown lately so what, what's your take on the comment well i i, I don't know if they've, if they've been there themselves i mean look toronto is still a very vibrant city i i don't know how they're you know they're they're deciding their metrics here but uh you know the reality is is you know it's funny when you think about toronto i go back to early the pandemic you know, everybody wanted to get out of there. Everyone was going to move to Uxbridge and, you know, work from home. And then certainly we, as you and I had talked about on the show, there was this mass uh, coming back to Toronto. So I think, unfortunately, Toronto is caught in this bit of a yo-yo in terms of media. Uh, you know, one day it's hot, one day it's cold. But I would say vibrant city, uh, certainly, um, you know, one of the top cities in the world. So I think it's easy to, you know, uh, 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 kind of push them down and make things seem like it's not as nice as it is. But certainly I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Toronto. Certainly I don't live there. Um, you know, I, I'm a suburb kind of guy where I live. But, you know, Toronto is still, I believe, a, a very, very uh, top-notch city in the world. Well, love it, love it or hate it. I mean, Toronto has transformed dramatically in the past 20 years. I'm a downtown guy. I'm in Toronto, work, play, live. Um, not right downtown, but close enough, uh, within a few kilometers. Uh, love, love or hate the bike lanes. Um, you're seeing bicycles in the, now with the condos that have been built over the last 20 years. You're seeing strollers and families, you know, downtown, you know, walking. 
Um, you know, when I was growing up in downtown Toronto, it was nothing but office buildings and some nightclubs and everybody exited the city at night, right? After five. Now it's quite different. It's not like that anymore. And if you're going to, you know, to Dave's point, and, and I do echo Dave's, you know, uh, comments here too, if you're going to compare it to, you know, during pandemic times or like stuff like that, then you have a, a false, you know, impression of what the city downtown really is. I mean, as a Torontonian, you know, I've always talked to my wife about we have to hop on a hop on hop off bus one day and act like tourists because we, you know, we live here and we haven't done it. And I had some family visit over the holidays and they went to the CN Tower. I took them to a Raptors game. You know, they went to a Leaf game. They were blown away by these things. Like they really loved it, right? Um, the entertainment part of it. Sure. But, um, you know, one thing that I'm going to do and I, you know, I haven't done is, you know, go on a hop on hop off bus because I think it's pretty cool to see Toronto in a different lens and not just be like, like the old furniture that, you know, kind of in the home and you don't realize how lucky we are. Yeah. And I think, you know what, I think if we get the trifecta, I think if the Maple Leafs, Raptors, and Jays win in one year, now that would make Toronto the two. You know what, let's just, say, let's just say that if, you know, I've seen the Jays win in my lifetime. I have seen the Raptors win in my lifetime. And sorry to date myself, I have not seen the Leafs win in my lifetime. Oh, I thought you would have. No, no. <laughs> You know, I started selling, you know, I started real estate when I was 14, right? So the, the reality is that we got to see the Leafs win. And, uh, you know, I think you got a great point there, Todd. <laughs> so uh, quickly, Dave, um, I'm going to ask both you and Tim for your predictions. 2023, Tim, you and I can go back. Uh, Tim, I, before I get to Dave, just a quick question for you. How many transactions actually ended up happening in the GTA? Oh, what a guy. He's like really rubbing it into my prediction from the year before. I just want to check. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I was off by just a little bit, just right? A little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were 75,000 transactions in 2022. Um, I thought there'd be, you know, at least 25,000 more, you know, and that, you know, obviously I did say if you roll the tape back, you know, I was very clear in my statement that you know pending any government intervention and the government definitely intervened in a very very big way but i'm well i'm more than happy to provide a prediction for this year yeah, no and 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 you know we can't get much more off than that one um, so at seventy five thousand. so just for for clarity uh 126 the year before 121 121 yeah. 121 the year before so that is a big big shift and they say that with every one percent interest rate increase there's seven thousand less sales Yep. Um, if you do the math on, you know, the percentages that went up every you single still, time, still missed. no, I still missed, but what really happened in that case is there were a lot of buying forward. You know, a lot of people were really running into the market. Um, they bought ahead of what happened. So you got to take into account, I'm not defending my number. I'm just telling you the realities of, of how it works. Yep. You have to actually normalize that number based on how many people bought ahead. And if you do that, and I talked to somebody in CMHC who actually ran a, a spreadsheet on that. And it was that 7,000 less sales per 1% increase was very accurate, by the way. So Dave, your prediction. So, you know, you're, you're used to, you know, looking at the mortgages, of course, that coincides with the sales. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I definitely think the first three months, maybe even the first four months of the year, we're, we're going to see some statistics that we haven't likely seen in the last, uh, you know, say decade. But I actually do believe that if we get the rates, especially the fixed rates to a level that are acceptable to Canadians, that we could see, you know, the, the year finish off and rival the, the amount of units from 2018, 2019. But 
the real big factor there is going to be the interest rates. I mean, the higher the interest rates stay, obviously the lower the amount of transaction. But if we can get that elusive, that sexy 3.99 earlier than not, I think we, we start to see 2018 and 2019 numbers. And I would be really shocked if we did it. Yeah. So around the 85,000 is what you're thinking? 85 to 90,000. Tim, you're going to throw out your prediction on this? I just did. Yeah, 85,000. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I don't think you're that far off. I think that uh, it's going to be a slow start. We're going to see, uh, you know, a better middle, probably decent at the end. I think that once people see interest rates come down, then they'll consider putting their houses back into the marketplace. Right now, they're not. Anyways, guys, listen, great, great time today. Appreciate both you, uh, Tim and Dave, joining me to the first of the Real Estate Talk Triangle for 2023. Look forward to doing this every single month with you. And folks, don't forget, when uh, when you've got nothing to do this week, uh, why don't you uh, swing by our Simple Real Estate Investment Seminar webinar. It is on Thursday, February the 2nd at 7 p.m., like I said, special uh, consideration going out to our first responders for everything you have done for us over the years. We just want to make it a little bit easier for you to get into investment real estate. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register and uh, look forward to seeing you here. If not, uh, you know, join us via the webinar. That's always exciting. And if you're not following me already on Instagram, you know what? You know, give us a follow. The Simple Investor One. I've got, uh, I've got my producers working on a lot more videos for everybody. We're trying to help educate people. We're going to talk about what it's like being a landlord, some of the things you need to watch out for, you know, with tenants, uh, some of the things you need to be mindful of as far as your ownership, you know, everything that's going to come up this year in being a landlord. So uh, make sure you follow me, The Simple Investor One. I do want to thank, uh, you know, my producers in the booth. I've got um, Aiden and Omar taking care of us here in studio and we've got Ian Grant of course at the head office making sure that this comes out to everybody properly so I do want to thank him for doing that and most importantly I want to thank you for tuning in you did make us the number one real estate talk show last year and hopefully we can do it again I'll be back next Sunday of course and I'm your host Todd C. Slater you've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.